I'm in a bunch of games right now. I'm in uh, Urban Shadows on Tuesday. On Fridays, I alternate between Torchbearer and Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I'm set up to play in a Star Trek game that I'm very excited for. Oh, wow. And then, what's the last one? Um, Oh, Alice is Missing, which is a very dark... um, dark and disturbing one where your, your best friend Alice has gone missing. And I don't think it ends well uh, for Alice in any, any scenario. Um, Essentially she has been either killed, you know, either by suicide or by murder. And um, you spend the the whole session trying to figure out who the murderer is. Oh, fun. (laughs) And everyone's a suspect. So even my character it is uh, could be the murderer, and I, I I don't even know it Not until we start playing. Huh? You'll just find out at some point that you're the murderer. Yeah. <laughs> so all, all the characters are set up with, um, I guess, suspicion built in. So my character uh, has a crush on Alice, a secret crush. So it's a unrequited love type thing. So I guess at any point. Um, it could come across that um, I, she did not reciprocate my unrequited love and I therefore killed her in a I don't know, fit of rage or whatever. So <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, sure. But all the characters are like that. They all have little secrets that um, kind of point them as suspect. Yeah. It's kind of like a, sounds like a murder mystery dinner theater yeah. game. Yeah, but it, it the it gets dark because it, the the focus is on Alice and she's missing and she's your friend and you want to find her and the the further you get along in the this mystery the the more it comes into realization that you are not going to find her alive. That's that's for damn sure and it just gets really dark real fast. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Have you both watched Search Party on HBO Max? No. No. It's so fucking good. It's kind of like what you're you're saying. It's about um, uh, some millennials. They're out of college. Their not even friend, but like college mate goes missing. And then one of the girls becomes very fixated on finding her and her friend group can't figure out why she's so interested in finding this missing girl. But it's because she's not going anywhere in her life and is very unfulfilled. So she latches on to this girl and her trauma is like the thing I'm going to solve and do. And it just spirals out in wacky ways. Like season two in particular is crazy seasons two and three are crazy i love it it's so dark and twisted it's hilarious takes a little while to ramp up but once it gets going it is hugely enjoyable it's a dark comedy all right search party yeah so if you have hbo max i mean hold on to hbo max to watch that show three seasons are available right now is that what you're doing you're holding on to hbo max not rage quitting 
No, I'm not not going to rage quit HBO Max yet. There's a couple of uh, horror movies I'm going to watch before Halloween, and then I'm going to dump it. (laughs) Okay. Why do you think I'm going to rage quit? Oh, well, I've got thoughts about episode 10. Episode (laughs) 10 of Lovecraft Country. All right. Well, I guess we'll get started. This is Hooplecast, and I'm Matt, and that's Will and Steve. Hey. Yeah. Show of hands, who liked the finale? What did you define like? <laughs> well, enjoyed. <laughs> define enjoyed. Also, I can't see your hands. It's a podcast. So, I don't know where we want to start with this. I guess that they drove all the way back to Chicago with Diana instead of doing the spell right there. That's my very first note. <laughs> the Twelve-hour drive. They brought her, they brought her all the way there, Did and they then they took her, her back. Oh, they took her with them. I couldn't remember. Yeah, they took her with them, and then they brought her back. So there's not a lot of space in that car either. So. Yeah, that's right. She was in the back. Maybe they could have saved that arm if they didn't wait so long. Maybe they strapped her to the roof like Mitt Romney's dog. (laughs) Yeah, poor Diana. She had a rough go of it. Yeah. If you were doing winners and losers of of the series, I I think Dee is in contention for Biggest Loser. Just She's... In contentious. I, I think there's mm-hmm. someone else that uh, gets the award. But What, Uncle George? <laughs> oh, poor, don't break too soon. Too soon for Uncle George. <laughs> Diana had a really good scene, though, with her mother, where her mother was talking about how she went on a journey of self-discovery. And Diana was like, I don't care. You weren't here when I needed you. <laughs> and I liked that because that's very honest and it's very fair. Yeah. And then just uh, at the end, she was like, oh, you couldn't have helped me anyway. It's fine. It's like, ouch. <laughs> it's true, I guess. I wanted to see if the birthmark on Tick's back paid off. It didn't. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> It was it was in the book uh, that they pulled back from Tulsa, but other than just it being on a page, I, there wasn't any big wow factor for his birthmark. I don't know. I mean, like they get a magnifying glass and it turns out it's a map of uh, where they need to go or something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't it's know. Just, what could it have been? It's the key to some puzzle. You got to... Hit that symbol, hit the, um, you know, brick with that symbol, and then everybody lives. The the fact that they don't even um, point it out until episode eight. Is it episode eight? Maybe it's episode seven. But it, it was, you know, the latter half of the, the series. Why introduce a new element if you're not going to make it something important? And I, I didn't feel like it was important. I suppose it was just to further illustrate his legacy and that he's somehow wrapped up in this family. You know, he's a descendant of Titus Braithwaite. 
and therefore he's marked. Maybe it's like biblical. He's marked in some way. I don't know. Not important. You're right. Didn't didn't really much add much to it. Um, we get to see Titus. They summon him after 15 minutes of blather. 15 minute vision sequence that just went on and on with the worst music of the season. I say, I don't know what song that was, but I hated it. <laughs> That's where they, they take the, the tunnels back to under the museum in Boston, right? So they, they go from Chicago to Boston by way of magic tunnels. Um, question, how did they cross the chasm? Yeah. That plank of wood <laughs> dissolved. Um, magic, I guess. Or it only appears if you go from one direction, not the other. I did wonder, just, I mean, they just took that out. Like, suddenly they were there. Yeah, it's a different route, because the chasm was only if they, yeah, went in from through the museum. I don't know. Well, we don't know if they went to the museum, right? They just went to a room that looked kind of like the museum. They could have gone in a different direction. They went left instead of right when they came out of the elevator. I will tell you that I had totally forgotten until this reminded me uh, that Montrose is a murderer. Mm-hmm. Did they point that out in the in this episode? Uh, no. No, but I had forgotten all about that character until they went down and the water started coming up the elevator shaft. And that's when I... Re- oh, yeah, episode four. Montrose killed a person or spirit or whatever that person was. So... It's not important. Not really, no. No, it wasn't ever important. <laughs> kind of sucks. That I can't remember her name, the Nine Tails, that she got such a great episode, but then they barely used her <laughs> the rest of the series. I mean, she did more in this episode than last one, but still. Yeah, she really, yeah. I mean, skipping ahead, she was a tether between two characters and... That was about all she did. I enjoyed, I mean, we can get there in a little bit, but the, the car ride scene. But um, yeah, Gia did not have much to do either. I'll just say this episode felt very much like episode two to me, that it was a lot of noise and a lot of moving parts, but didn't resonate with me on any kind of emotional level, except for a few scenes. Well, the scene where they're taking down uh, Titus Braithwaite, it was nice to see uh, five generations, if you include uh, Tix and Letty's unborn child, um, all working together. (laughs) (laughs) So it's nice to have that family connection, all driving towards the same purpose. It's kind of what I was hoping for throughout the series at some point. Um, But... You get in the last one. And it was, I was wondering if there was a similar scene in the book. Uh, if Uncle George was still alive and he had that, you know, a whole other crew with him, was there, was there a scene like that where you had a, you know, multi generational kumbaya moment? Uh, no. <laughs> Not that I remember. But as we get further away from me reading the book, my memory isn't as good. That was like two whole months ago. <laughs> um, 
But no, there wasn't anything like, you know, multi-generational other than, you know, Atticus and Tick. Well, they're the same person. Oh, sorry. Atticus and Montrose. <laughs> <laughs> I keep doing that. You <laughs> mentioned uh, Hippolyta. I want to see another version or a, um, a more realistic version of the show where Hippolyta just loses her fucking marbles after the death of um, Uncle George. And everything that's happened to her has only occurred inside her mind. So no. you, you have her go off the grid for a couple days. She, she abandons her child. Uh, she comes back with crazy blue hair. And when people ask where she's been, she's, she tells them she's been off dancing with Josephine Baker and fighting with the Amazons in Africa and went on space missions with uh, the not dead Uncle George. And now she can name herself whatever she wants. <laughs> They'd all look at her like she's crazy and it would be true. And they'd probably call it, you know, hysteria and try and lobotomize her. Uh-huh. Um, this is what you want to see this, to this poor woman this, who lost her husband. This, <laughs> you want to see her go insane and then give her a lobotomy just to top things off. I just think that would be the more realistic version. I don't know if I want to see it, but um, just someone to uh, – you almost had that scene with D saying, you left, you're talking gibberish and nonsense, and I don't know, it's – I almost wanted her to call, you know, throw up the BS flag on some of this stuff. I don't care if you can name yourself now. You named yourself mother. You should have named yourself mother, you know, when I was being chased by demons. That kind of thing. Yeah. Or when I was being chased by police or, you know. And they all left D in the car while they were off. <laughs> 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 I think that she, you know, she knew okay, but um, yeah. she'll just abandoned her again. <sighs> That poor girl. I mean, she found a friend in a Shagoth who I guess was in the glove box the entire time. Was I don't know how he, where he came from, nor do I understand why he wasn't around when Atticus needed him. But there, there was a moment where Atticus like touched the floor of um, the ghost house. And I, I got the impression that the Shagath was underneath the floorboards there. And he must have, like, told the Shagath to, you know, protect D. Uh, that he, he must have transferred his, you know, protection to D at that point. Which, uh, well, I'll, I'll save that for later. But, I um, was also under the impression that it was underneath the floorboards. Very, str- very strange that he would have kept it there. Uh, and I also felt bad for all the boarders at that boarding house who have corpses and monsters underneath them and they have no idea but anyway suddenly it's in artem we went back to artem so i was right about that artem another 15 and a half hours drive okay google maps we don't <laughs> we don't need to know all of that it was a fun car drive apparently on their way to impending an impending battle. I really liked that scene. I thought it was cute. And it wasn't until after the episode was over then I realized that the tip-off that Ruby was Christina was Ruby singing along with that song. That she that, didn't want to sing. <laughs> that she wouldn't sing because in the 
very first episode, she says, Shaboom Shaboard. She doesn't like that song. This, I guess you'd call it white person music. It's got no soul, no rhythm. So she call it, She said, Shaboom Shaboard. Suddenly she's enjoying the song. And, and at first I was like, okay, she's, you know, putting aside some of her cynicism and is just in the moment with her friends and family. But, you know, looking back at that scene through knowing what I know now, that's a tip. That's not really Ruby. That's a that's a good um, good good pick there. I did not uh, did not pick up on that. Um, we did see Christina crash her her car, so she needed some other way to get to Artem. So the, she hitched a ride with the people. <laughs> she did. I liked that whole twist. I didn't expect it. I. I was curious to find out if Ruby, like what side Ruby was on, but I did not predict that Ruby would have been taken out of the equation entirely and that Christina was Ruby. It, I never saw it coming. So when it happened, it really surprised me. And I think that's probably my favorite element to this episode was how they structured that. I also didn't like that Ruby dies off screen. Yeah, I agree. Well, we don't know for sure. Christina says she she died, but didn't we see her in the bed? Like, in the basement? Wasn't there a flash of her, like... It's not like her, yeah, her body's still there. All those flashes. I didn't know what all that was supposed to mean, but didn't she say that, you know, the person has to kind of be dead or her to take their form but magic they have magic now i wonder if they can bring her back in a previous scene gia mentioned that her mother died Uh, so gia's mother dies off screen now ruby dies off screen a lot of thing happens off screen in this episode george died off screen episode (laughs) two oh bothers me well, Ruby had to die off screen for that swerve to work. Mm-hmm. So. I think I just feel bad for the actress. Like, you had a whole episode that was your episode, but then another actress played your, your character, and now you you don't even get a, a, a true death scene. It's just. Ruby got. She's also on the list for, you know, biggest loser. Yeah, I suppose I I still feel like another season's possible. So I'm and that they'll figure out a way to get her back. So I'm not too bitter about it. I think I would be if I was convinced that this was it. I will say one of my predictions was a Letty versus Ruby showdown. And we kind of got that, I guess. They they did, you know, do a little fist fighting up in the tower. It wasn't Ruby, but you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I predicted that from episode one. <laughs> we get the re- well. Their relationship was contentious, yeah. all along. I I understand Ruby up to a point in terms of her sister being self centered, but your I mean. I'm not sure how Letitia at this point could have even handled Ruby 
when Ruby has something that Letitia needs to save her lover slash baby daddy's life. How, how does, how does Letitia talk to her sister and get what she needs and not ask for something? And Ruby's whole deal is like, Letitia, you're always asking and taking. That's, I don't know. It seems like a no-win situation for Letitia. And I wanted Ruby to just kind of grow up, shut up. Yeah, that was that scene in the cemetery in front of their mother's grave. Yeah. So that that must have been Letty. She must have arranged that for Ruby to meet her there, for the the two of them to arrive at the same time. Very similar to how she arranged uh, Christina to meet her at the church in the previous episode. So Letty's doing a lot of like wheeling and dealing in the in the back. Just you come meet me here and we'll we'll have a talk and I'll ask you for something. And uh I think that's that's Letty's MO at this point. It's born out of desperation. I just don't know what it looks like where Ruby would be okay with what Letitia's doing. Like what what does Letitia have to do at this point? For them to be okay. What'd she say? She she said she was in jail during her mother's funeral. Mm-hmm. And Ruby just rolled her eye. Of course you were in jail. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot of bitterness there. I, I, I don't think there's anything Letty could have done. Go back in time and make sure you're there for your mother's funeral. That would That would be a start. So at this point, I was... Not really on Ruby's side. We get the return of the creepy villagers. More creepy villagers. At Artem. They, they're called uh, Adam Adamites. Adamites. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll hold 10 seconds for them. Just a bunch of creepy Aryan-looking people coming at you. And they they pretty much uh, subdue um, Tick rather easily. He doesn't even doesn't even fight them. They just he follows them to the altar. Though I tell you, if I walked up to a ruins that had an altar with like straps to it, I would not be peacefully walking towards it or peacefully strapping myself to it. I mean, what what was Tick? I'm I'm angry at Tick for for how he just accepted his fate so easily. Well, he said he would come to Artem, but he didn't say he would, you know, submit to them easily. Did he? I don't know. I I guess they had a plan, and they just wanted to go through all of it. And I don't know. Like, why did he die? Why did he have to die? <laughs> Not that he's my favorite character or anything, but it seemed kind of like pointless. I kind of think the plan was that the the people, his family, would have saved him before he ended up dying, or you know. Yeah. But I, I'm still disappointed by Hippolytus and Gia's power set because you have two supernatural beings, and they didn't really do anything this episode. Hippolyta got to show off a little bit of her fighting skills, I guess. Amazonian. A little bit, but not to any extreme degree, which was disappointing. 
I wanted her to wipe the floor with those villagers. Yeah, single-handedly. She like step back. Let me, you know, just start tearing into them. You know, give a powerful speech or something for for love, and just I don't know. Really frustrating. I had assumed that the at the end of the episode it was going to be oh they wanted to get captured. Yeah, it looks like they're bumbling idiots, and Atticus was. A real dope for getting, you know, uh, strapped to that thing. Turns out that's exactly where he wanted to be. And and then they turn the tables on Christina. But that's not what happens. <laughs> I mentioned the, the creepy villagers. What happened to the villagers? Did they run away into the woods? I think they go to bed real early because they have to get up and work the fields in the morning. They're pretty heavy sleepers, so they have no idea what happened. They gotta—they're like my uh, my relatives in Indiana that I don't talk to. They got to be in bed by seven because they got to be up at five. Those cows don't mm. milk themselves. I, don't know, I, I feel like I'm I'm beating a dead horse here. It's like. The villagers were able to subdue the the four of them, right? And then shouldn't they still be able to subdue the four of them, even when, you know, crazy magician powers start going off? The villagers are still around. Yeah, I suppose. But I think what you're driving at is the episode is really bad. (laughs) So I don't know what you want us to tell you what's really bad. But go on. I'll just press forward. <laughs> as, as Tick is dying, we get more montage sequence, you know, series of images. And you know how I feel about montages. I, I want to see a, a supercut of all the montages in this series. Just be like 30 minute long supercut. And there was a lot of images that flashed through and I, I don't know if I caught all of them. I, I think one of them, uh, Tick and Letty, get baptized. Again, off screen, they get baptized before this whole thing goes down. Um, that's that's the impression I got anyway. Yeah, I was thinking that some of them may have been, like, except that we didn't see off camera, but I wasn't sure. I was wondering, didn't they get baptized before they went? I thought it was a flashback. Yeah, yeah, it would okay, have to be a flashback. So, are we to believe that Letitia, who was pushed off of that tower and was killed for the second time, came back to life because she had been baptized and therefore God saved her? Is that what I'm supposed to think happened? Because <laughs> it's what I thought happened. But then I thought, That's- no, that can't be it. That was my next question. So at what point, I assumed it was Tick that cast the protection spell back onto Letty after it was removed from Letty. But at what point does Tick do that? Was it actually Tick that, that did that? It's not clear. It's It was done again. It was done off screen. I didn't think it was the power of God that was giving her the protection back. I I thought it was tick doing his, his magic stuff. Okay. Because I wasn't sure that tick had that ability. No, 
No, you're right. And it it would almost make sense if Tick first dies and then his death uh, prompts Letty's resurrection, right? Almost in the way, you know, he's baptized, then the very next scene, he's essentially um, Jesus strung up on the cross being sacrificed. And his death, you know, um, saves his people, right? It's That would um, make more sense. I still would be confused by that, and I would still probably think it's dumb, but it would have made more sense than this, where she just appeared to get up for no reason that I could tell. And then just ran and watched him die. So... Because she was definitely dead again, right? She wasn't just winded. I think so. So, Will, what would you think of uh, Tick dying? Not a fan. (laughs) Not a fan. I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm sure they could bring him back if they wanted to, but I'm kind of right now thinking that every death, is permanent at this point. And I'll just say, I don't like to see um, him go on Letty. Uh, Matros's reaction to him die was really sad to see. Like, come on, boy, come on. No, I don't know. I expected Montrose to sacrifice himself in some way to save his son. Um, kind of mirroring um, the previous episode where Tick ended up saving uh, a young Montrose, uh, I wanted Montrose to, to close that for full circle. That's the name of the episode, full circle. I wanted Montrose to be that full circle. And... Baseball bat to Christina's face. I got you, kid. <laughs> <laughs> yes. that would have been, I would have stood up and applauded at that point. But uh, Well, yeah. this is about the time I was like, they left that little girl alone in that car. <laughs> In the, in the same woods where we know Shagath Rome, mm-hmm. I don't know if there was any policemen out to to serve as as mealtime. I don't know. Um, I did have an, a note for Tick dying. Um, I had a problem with that. Um, it has a similar ending to uh, Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. And now this is two episodes okay. in a row where I've dropped Star Trek, right? Wait, hold on. All I'm right. settling in so I can hear this. Go <laughs> ahead. All right. So Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the, the main uh, protagonist uh, is black Captain Sisko. Uh, he sacrifices himself in the final episode, leaving behind a son and a pregnant wife. And now the actor who plays Captain Sisko, Avery Brooks, is um, quoted as saying, quote, he was uncomfortable with the notion of a black man abandoning his pregnant black wife, unquote, um, because it perpetuates the stereotype of the miss- missing black father. And so Avery Brooks was very aware that he, he represents something being the, the protagonist of a series being black. And if anything, this series um, Lovecraft country you know, celebrates its black protagonists. So to have have the the male protagonist die, leaving behind 
a pregnant, you know, woman. It's just it 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 felt wrong. Huh. You can get that? No. Well, in both cases it's a sacrifice that these brave men make. And I just don't connect it to the stereotype. Mm. I mean, Cisco's whole deal since the pilot of Deep Space Nine is that he's a like a prophet. And it made total sense at the end of that show that he would leave him leave a, a kind of he had he had a Hippolyta moment, just like her, of leaving behind a mortal banal life and kind of ascending to to something, which is yeah cruel for your the people that you leave behind. But it's like when you're the prophet of the wormhole, aliens. What are you gonna do? So there, there is a, um, with Tick being this Jesus-like character and sacrificing himself for his people, um, I can, I, do we want to see Tick resurrected? Is that, is that episode one of season two? It won't be episode one if they do it. They'll make us, they'll, you know. They'll build up to it, maybe like episode three. But yeah, I would like to see Tick come back when he's not doing Marvel movies. Maybe he'll have time to do a, be an episode two, uh, season two. Oh God, what if it's a Twin Peaks: The Return scenario where he's he's back, but he's playing a like a duller, oh, dumber Jesus. character? He's not Dale Cooper. He's some <laughs> some non Dale Cooper. In that case, I'm rage quitting. Oh yeah, then I would cancel. I would never subscribe to HBO again. (laughs) Podcast done. Um, I don't necessarily. I don't want it to be an easy out, but I think they can. They can bring him back some way. Maybe it's a different version of him. Maybe the show takes place in the future, and Atticus plays his own son. He plays his son George. The same actor, I mean. No, the same actor. The same Not actor. The, okay. The same actor, but he plays his son in the future. Or they go to an alternate universe and bring a different Atticus back, like Harry Kim and Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So- something slightly different about this Atticus. I-, I can't quite put my finger on it. Well, I get the feeling that there is no second season, that um, things are pretty much finalized. Unless you wanted to resurrect Tick. I mean, I, there's there's no one in this series that I'm really interested in. Um, maybe maybe D. Uh, I, you know, she showed up, Bionic D and the Black Shagath. I'd, I'd watch a spinoff of that. Well, why can't Letitia helm the series why can't she be the main character of a second season she could she'll have a baby in tow be more um the mandalorian in that case well i wouldn't know about that but sure (laughs) just leave the baby in the car (laughs) like the d in the car (laughs) Uh. (laughs) so magic's gross Christina is 
opened Atticus's wrists, his arms, and blood just gushed out. That was a lot of blood. It was a ridiculous amount of blood, almost an unbelievable amount of blood. And, and then she, she she bathes in it like mm, uh, like shower. <laughs> she takes a shower in it, like uh, that character from the premiere of Rome. Yep. Yeah. Very, yep. very disgusting. I got strong death becomes her vibes when she was being attacked, and she was just like, "Come on, I'm invulnerable. What are you gonna do?" Oh, I was going to say something, but that actually happened in the Outlander episode I watched when Galus was trying to go to the future <laughs> to kill the baby. <laughs> um, no, different, wrong show. Sorry. Yeah. Getting, getting shows mixed up. You're getting your blood baths mixed up. <laughs> yeah. She was, um, yeah, about to kill what's his name. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> right. Uh, young Ian. Young Ian. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sexy women like to take baths in blood. Hmm. It's good for their skin, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know, maybe there's a connection with blood and menstruation and birth and being life givers and there's something like inherently feminine or something. I don't know. Someone can write a college paper on that. I ain't going to read it. (laughs) (laughs) My note at this point is what is even happening? (laughs) (laughs) see letty attacks christina and you made the point of christina's like i'm invulnerable bitch what do you do so at what point does christina not become invulnerable like even at the end when uh bionic d is like choking the life out of her i was like she's still invulnerable no no at that point all the magic had been taken away from her okay so I guess that is like retroactive too and takes away her invulnerability. I'm not sure if I got that from the whole, even with Gia, like tethering the two people. I did not know what was going on. Yeah. They, they could have done a little bit to like set up what that plan was. Again, was there a plan? I don't know. It just seems like they, it's like Gia, do something, do something. And I wanted Gia to like, take out Christina. Gia had one more soul to take. And I thought Christina might be the one soul that she ends up taking and, you know, you know, body exploding in a puff of uh, red mist. That's what I thought would happen. Um, Uh, Yeah. I think once Letty died, their plan went to shit. I think she was setting up their plan and, yeah. But I don't know what that plan was. They something never about turning something about turning her spell back on her, or something like that, or oh. hi, hijacking Christina's spell. I think yeah. that's what they said. But they didn't explain what it was exactly. I, I, I needed. They should have. Good. Perhaps they should have talked about the plan in the car instead of singing awful <laughs> <laughs> white people music. <laughs> Yeah, I needed an Ocean's Eleven breakdown of what the plan was going to be, how it went to shit, and you know how they you know adapted. Um, but yeah, even if they talked about it in the car, D, you know, or I'm I'm sorry, Ruby slash Christina would have learned what their plan was, and she would have been like, uh huh, uh huh, okay. See that make that makes sense to have that, but I guess I guess they did have that. It was just off screen, and that's that's what we just have to assume. Yeah, I didn't know what was going on at this point. 
There was a lot of lot of things happening, but I wasn't sure. But um, at some point after the tethering. Oh, when she said, I need to get up those stairs, I thought we were going to get to see Hippolyta, like, clear her way up those stairs. But nope, she just appeared there, pretty much. Gia had a flashback of the smoke or something. She saw the black smoke, and then she flashed back to something she had. She just knew she had to do this, which was run up the stairs and affix herself to Christina and Atticus via her tails. Oh, God. That was really dumb, guys. I thought she would die when she was doing that, but nope. Is there... I think some of the wrong people lived. In this. The problem <laughs> is, is that we don't understand how this magic works. Nor when they're saying their, their chance in doing their, their spell casting. Do we understand anything of what they're saying or doing? And what the payoff's going to be or what the risks are? It's a mystery. So they're shouting and things are happening. And I have zero connection to any of it. Like, what are you trying to do? Why are you shouting, Letitia? What is, what's supposed to be happening? You know, what's, what are you expecting to happen? Yeah, I don't know. Tis a mystery, but... Ultimately, the magic is stripped away from Christina and all white people, although I don't know how that's defined. And then all <laughs> black people, and I don't know how that's defined. Only black people, only the magical black have people magic. have it. Yeah. So, what if you are multiracial? How much black do you got? I mean, how how much white can you have in you and still be able to use magic? Yeah, that was my question. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the parameters are, but it, this is kind of like the Buffy season seven finale when all the potentials become slayers. It's giving power to the powerless. That's ultimately what the message is supposed to be, giving power to the powerless. But it's it's 55 minutes of garbage before we get there. But anyway... D has a bionic arm, so that happened, too. She straight up murders someone. Now, Caleb doesn't die in the book, right? Right. Doesn't he just get his magic taken away from him? I can't remember if it's all of his magic that's taken away. I know his invulnerability is taken away, but I can't remember if it was everything. I feel like that's a more fitting end to a villain. If Christina had lived but all of her magic had been taken away and she had to live as a normal person, I feel like that would have been a kind of justice that I would have found satisfying. That she's dead, if there is a second season, I'll be disappointed that she's not around because she was a lot of fun. Yeah, I don't think there will be, though. What is there anything left over from the book that they didn't use? Is there any, like, whole chapters? Uh, I'd have to go to the Wikipedia to find that information. Mm. Yeah, I don't think there are. Yeah, I'm not sure that there is. So the the source material has runneth out. Um, but the leftovers had some of its best stuff after they ran out of the source material. Or 
their very best stuff after they ran out of source material. So how's the book end? You feel free to spoil at this point. Right. Does Tick live in the book? Yeah, he lives. Rube. Ruby, um, she uses her metamorphosis powers to help them, but she never actually comes clean about being involved with Caleb and um, and actually knowing about magic. She, you know, she keeps that from them. She just kind of runs off. You know, this white lady is helping us, <laughs> but then she takes off. Um, yeah, but there is a confrontation, uh, final one, and they do stop Caleb from whatever it is he was trying to do. And, but he does live at the end. And then that might be where the uh, sheriff or whatever he is dies. Um, yeah, everybody, you know, it's like everybody comes together and working towards defeating Caleb. George is there. Hippolyte is there. Um, you know, Letitia, everybody's there. They have, they actually do have a plan, I guess. I don't really remember if they go into our detail, but yeah, they pull it off. Montrose is there. No yeah, Gia though, because Gia doesn't play a, a role in the. Yeah, no Gia. No Gia. Mm. I wanted Gia to. She had such a great one episode, you know, a singular episode. I wanted her to come back and be a badass. Same for Hippolyta, I guess. I wanted her to come back and do something. I liked the scene with Gia and Atticus at the bar in mm-hmm. the hotel. Maybe because I just like a hotel bar. You can't go to bars anymore. Or hotels. <laughs> Maybe that's why. No, it was a good scene. She had a good line. She said, uh, are you willing to are you willing to die to fuck me? Something like that. Something like that, yeah. I just need one more. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just scare him away. Uh, um, Well, let's see. Um, This series has taught me that all white people are evil. You already knew that. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm I'm open-minded enough to accept that if that does if that's the premise that this show wants to tell I'm I'm okay with that that's fine right I don't I don't have a problem with that I don't think but, it is though but I think the the series shows that even amongst our heroes our black protagonists um, there's room for variations of gray not everyone is altruistic you know pure of heart there there's levels of good and bad right so why can't the white people in the show also have that variation and throughout the show i was i was kind of rooting for christina i was rooting for william at one point before i realized those were two in the same person um but i I wanted them to be more than just a, a mustache twirling villain and then at the end this episode that that's all they were. They they were just two dimensional characters. There wasn't anything more to it. Yeah, that's kind of true. I I was disappointed that Christina just turned out to be a villainess, and I kind of was rooting for her only because the actress was so good. I was I really loved her performance. 
I thought the way they introduced those two characters, Christina and William, they were at least allied with our protagonists at some point. Like there was in that first episode, there was the the truck of rednecks chasing um, the Woody, and um, you know Christina in her car was able to flip flip the truck and stop them. So I thought they they at least would be on um, the same side to a you know to a point. I mean I'm okay with. But no, it just yeah. I think in the book, Caleb was a little more. I mean, of course, he had his agenda, what he wanted to achieve, but he tried to help out the protagonist protagonist along the way. Like, like there's this whole bit about how George and Montrose were, um, George and yeah, Montrose were keeping a ledger of how much they felt their, you know, one of their, maybe it's their mother or some, a grandmother was owed um, some money and they kept keeping up with how much they kept a tally of that. And Caleb actually paid them, you know, a shitload of money and then uh, helped with Tisha, I guess with the house. And then I think there may have been some other instances where, and she actually, he actually, liked ruby and you know was trying to get information but he actually did like ruby i felt like christina liked ruby at the beginning of this episode it's one of my notes when titus appears and christina crashes her car or something like that she she asks ruby if she's okay like she seems genuinely concerned about ruby and curious for her up until a point I feel like Christina and Caleb are kind of paralleled pretty well. They, they're both characters who help out the protagonists up until a point, but you always figure at some point the debt's going to need to be paid, that they have their own agenda, even though they seem like they're helping. I think that both the book character and the show character are similar in, in that way. Yeah. D has a bionic arm. I don't know if we mentioned that. <laughs> a robot arm. I don't like that this little girl is now like a cold-blooded killer. It's, yes. She's... I don't I don't look at, at this like a hero moment. This felt really gross to me. Watching her choke the life out of somebody. I didn't want to see this little girl do that. It really unsettled me. I feel like she's yeah. lost herself. In and this. She's lost her innocence. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like it. I, I wonder if that happened beforehand, like when uh, Bobo died, when Emmettil died, like at that point she lost her innocence. And it's kind of why those uh, Topsy twins were chasing after her. It's like that was, that was the beginning of her downfall. Well, yeah. I it had nothing to do with her. Her, you know, society that, you know, pushed it upon her and she's just a victim. Yeah. That's what I don't like is that if this was supposed to be the hero moment, it didn't feel like that to me. It didn't sit with me that well. It felt like she was a victim. Yeah. And I, and I won't say that it doesn't, it didn't feel wrong because as you point out the death of her friend, even if it hadn't been her friend, it was such an awful thing that it had happened that it totally, you know, the childhood was over. Her childhood was over. So 
it made sense that she went down this path, but man, I didn't like it. She's a sweet baby girl. No, I kept saying, don't do it, don't do it. Oh, she did it. Yeah, then everybody wasn't there for her when she needed them, so I guess she's taking care of herself now. So she had to grow up too fast. Christina's dead. Ruby's dead. Atticus is dead. Um, I mean, it's easier to list off who's alive. Hippolyta, <laughs> Letitia, and Montrose, right? Um, Gia. Gia's yeah. still alive, though. She doesn't get any resolution. Doesn't even bother. Like, I wanted her to... You know, suck that last soul out of Christine and then become, um, you know, a human, a girl. You know, she gets to live her life um, free of uh, being a monster. But Do you think she wants that or has she made peace with who she is? <laughs> well, if she didn't say that her mother died, like I thought that was that was her connection to uh, the, the world is, you know, her connection with her mother. But then she said that her mother died off screen. And it was, I was, it's like, ah, oh, that's so sad. No wonder she's back in the States. Like she's got nothing else in Korea to live for. Her best friend died. Her mother died. I kind of got the feeling when they met that shaman, that her mother was sort of sacrificing herself for Gia in some way. I'm not really sure how that all worked out. But again, I'm not really clear about all the rules of the supernatural in the show. I feel like it's a more powerful story. If Gia accepts who the truth of who she is and she lives her truth rather than chases the thing that her mother initially wanted for her. She's like, I'm a Kamiho. Okay. I'm a Fox spirit. Deal with it. Well, now that Tick's out of her life, maybe she can, you know, become her own person. Fox Spirit. Sure. Fox Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other spinoff. Gia. Fox Spirit. <laughs> MD. She's a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> Fox Spirit MD. <laughs> Just creating spinoffs from the show. <laughs> Bionic D and the Black Shagath. Uh, Gia, Fox Spirit MD. Hippolyta, name yourself. <laughs> like a self-help show. <laughs> you, you go on her show and she's like, name yourself. Oh, uh, your decorator. Coming to the Oprah Winfrey Network. <laughs> Do we have anything else to say about Full Circle? Um, there was uh, a comic book that, um, Hippolyta shows D and I just wanted to shout out the artist for the comic book. So Afua Richardson, a, uh, Eisner award-winning illustrator, magician, writer, um, best known for her work on Black Panther and HBO's Lovecraft Country. Um, so I, I started, I looked her up on Facebook. She's got a page and amazing artwork and you can see uh, some of the artwork that she created for Lovecraft country uh, one with um, D and her bionic arm. So, I mean, it looks like there there's at least uh, a life after this series for D 
in comic book form, maybe it'd be, it'd be cool to, to look at, but yeah, I, I like all, all her uh, artwork. It's pretty, pretty good stuff, but no, nothing about the episode itself. I'm, I'm, I'm beyond the episode. Um, <laughs> it, I will say it is a unique take on um, just horror, sci-fi, all sorts of, you know, the pulp genre um, and having black protagonists um, and mostly black female protagonists, you know, aside from tick. um, And I don't know if you would get that anywhere else. You know, Misha green, who's the showrunner for the show. I I think she really wanted to show, um, uh, her point of view, uh, something from her perspective. And I don't think you would get this show if it was show run by uh, some of the other HBO guys like uh, what David Chase or even uh, Deadwood's David Milch. Do you, do you think you would have the same show if David Milch was, was show running this? No, definitely not. Um, well, if he did it in Deadwood style, that would at least be entertaining or they just, soliloquy or whatever when they went to artem and the theater troupe showed up (laughs) (laughs) i i think david milch would do it a good attempt because he he does write good strong female characters but after last year's deadwood the movie i i which you didn't like but the rest of us were okay with i would have no faith yeah because you you that movie reintroduced all these wanted. women and then did nothing with them. Yeah. It was, you know what? It was comfort food and I was fine with it. <laughs> well, this episode full circle um, did not fulfill um, a finale. HBO has got troubles doing good finales. We, we can list off good finales on one hand. Um, Let's do it it now. (laughs) Six feet under. The leftovers. The wire ish. Did we like the Watchmen finale? I feel like we did. Yeah, I I didn't like the Watchmen finale. You had problems with Angela's being shunted to the side. Yes, I did. Um, better than this though. Yeah. Yeah. Who was the guy? What if Alan Ball did the show? He's done some HBO shows. I don't really think of Alan Ball as having an aesthetic. Anyway. There would be more dream sequences. There were enough. (laughs) 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 So, in conclusion, um... To me, this is probably the weakest episode of of the season, the series. It was definitely on par with episode two in terms Mm. of busy, noisy, just kind of average across the board. Confusing. Don't know what the hell is going on. And if the conceit of the show was to draw parallels between supernatural horror and racial horror... This episode didn't have any themes to it. It was just story driven. There's nothing, it didn't resonate with me on any kind of intellectual or emotional level. It was just 
we're going to wrap up the plot. And it made it feel pretty meh to me. But as on the whole, I still, I'd still probably recommend the show to a person. It's just, I would say the caveats are there's, there's some outstanding episodes and then there's some crappy episodes and it's kind of a wash, but I probably still would recommend it. What about you, Will? Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes when the ending is bad, it makes me kind of not feel so great about the show, Game of Thrones. Um, but I see, I think I would still recommend the show to people because they're really good episodes are really good. They're about three or four that are really, really good. So yeah, I'd say check it out. Well, for this episode, when I, I watched it the first time, I said, oh, you know, that's an ending. Um, the, but as I think about it and I look over my notes and like really delve into this last episode, uh, it's, it's getting worse and worse as I think about it more. So I, I think my recommendation would just watch it, you know, for, for popcorn entertainment. Don't think too hard about it. Cause as soon as you start thinking, what are the rules of magic? If the whole thing breaks down, right? So, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I am not looking forward to a season two. If they if they ended up doing a season two, um, I'm I'm calling that one now. I'm just. I, it, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm. Uh, I was not compelled. Like there was a couple good episodes this season, and uh, I liked some of the overall message that was coming through, but. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's put a put a pin in this one and be done with it. I'm if there was a second season, I think we need a different showrunner. I'm not saying that Misha Green has to not be involved entirely, but she was steering the ship and the ship it did a flounder. So maybe she's fantastic in the writer's room writing out a, a script or or is good in a supervisory capacity producer i don't know but um she couldn't stick the landing so that's pretty bad i think we would need to we need to give somebody else a shot someone who has like real follow-through i tell you when all went downhill uncle george dying that's where it all went downhill. <laughs> George, this is that like the opposite of Riker's beard. <laughs> yeah, no George, no. Uh, uh, I think Montrose had a good character arc, but again, this episode, he didn't do anything. It's just wow. I'm I'm, I'm done talking about this episode. Okay. So Monday night they had well, I'm sorry, Sunday night they had season high ratings, which is. 1.5 million, which is still pretty low compared to like Game of Thrones and some of their other shows. Yeah, I, that kind of news baffles me because it implies that they watch people watch this episode and didn't watch the nine other episodes. <laughs> How could that be true? <laughs> and October 26th, they have a special called Crafting Lovecraft Country. 
behind the scenes look featuring exclusive interviews with showrunner and executive producer green along with casting crew so maybe they'll shed some light on our questions no they won't <laughs> <laughs> I, I did see a few clips off of that off of um afua's richardson's facebook page he had a few clips the prop master one looked interesting he, he had some good insight but yeah it's no behind the scenes might be interesting for this series might be more interesting than actually watching it Janelle Monet to perform VR concert for Lovecraft Country finale. Janelle Monet will be performing a unique virtual reality concert to coincide with the season finale of the HBO series Lovecraft Country. The event titled Music of the Cosmos will air on October 19th at 10 p.m. following the finale of Lovecraft Country. It marks the conclusion to Lovecraft Country Sanctum, a promotional series of VR experiences designed for the Oculus Quest headset and centered around transporting viewers into the world of Lovecraft Country. Oh. Now, assuming those are still available, I think I might check those out. Yes. I will not be checking that out. <laughs> you you can report back. Tell me how it is. No, I will. <laughs> All right. So one, would you recommend reading the book for those who have not read the book? Yes. Yes, okay. as well. All right. And it's not that long. It's a very quick read. Super quick read. And I don't feel like the show just felt like everything was amped up and the book felt a little breezier. Yeah, it's the, the horror in the show is just so amped up. The book is a little, yeah, it's a little, a little lighter, I think. Yeah, I think it's better for it. But yeah, I'd rec- I definitely recommend the book. All right. Well, I might do that. So that would be an interesting perspective to get as someone who's watched the series first and then read the books. Who's this Horace person? What's his deal? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's Caleb. Well, Caleb, I would at least just assume it's William, just a different name. Okay. Well, I don't know what's coming next on on HBO as a network, but I'm sure we will cover it on Hooplecast to some extent. If it's more Jude Law as the Pope, probably not. So much driving in this show. Just <laughs> random. <laughs> <laughs> I've never taken that long of trips, like just to go and check in on one person or I don't know. Like I'm not doing a 15 hour drive just to sacrifice myself i'm not doing that (laughs) (laughs) i'll drive half an hour to sacrifice myself for another 15 hours yeah that's just all right that's good okay well find us at hooplecast.com or go on facebook and leave feedback for us by searching for hooplecast if you can stand to use Facebook. I know people are very anti-Facebook these days. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Thank you. It was, it was fun. 
I, I had a few laughs, so I'm 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 happy that I stuck it out and did it. There's no great sign off. It's we always don't know what to do at the end of these things. Fuck you. <laughs> I'll edit all of this so that it sounds more professional. Just so yeah. you know, I'll be shortening. I'll be truncating here. <laughs> don't believe it. Don't believe it. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.